the news today of uh, Jerry Jones announcing that he plans to have Dallas Cowboy home games in front of fans this year. Are you thankful that somebody at the Rangers came to their senses at some point and said, no, we're not doing that? Well, the interesting thing about that, Ken, is that I was talking to a few personnel and Major League Baseball had to tell the Texas Rangers you can't have fans. So if it was up to the Rangers, there would be fans in the stands. I don't know how the Astros would have worked, but if it was up to the Rangers organization themselves, because originally Major League Baseball was like, okay, what's your state guideline? And then MLB is like, no, 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 you're not having fans. Uh So if it was up to the organization, they would. I understand, unfortunately, from a business aspect, but it is good for Major League Baseball to uh, say, nope, you can't do that. Yeah, it's very rare that Major League Baseball comes out on the side of sanity in anything. And uh, yeah, it's blissfully nice for anyone who has to actually show up to the games like you do. Uh, And I like the idea that that Major League Baseball essentially asked, yeah, what is your state guideline in terms of COVID-19? And the Rangers said, "Uh, we're from Texas. And MLB said, fuck. Well, and also you have to take what Jerry Jones says for a grain of salt. So... I yeah. tweeted earlier, it's like, I knew he was going to say that, but I'm surprised it took him this long to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it really, that, that's good advice for literally everything Jerry Jones says. And, and honestly, the, the Cubs, there was talk at the beginning of the season that they were going to try, like, after a month to try to appeal to the city and the states to let, like, socially distanced crowds of, like, 6,000 or 7,000 into Wrigley Field because Ricketts love money. Um, but the city of Chicago still at this point, uh, especially under Lori Lightfoot, who is not letting us on the beaches, uh, there, there, there's just no way then. And I'm very thankful. I mean, there are lots of things that Lori Lightfoot does that, uh, give me pause, but her response to the, the virus is not one of them, thankfully. So yeah, if Arlington's mayor wasn't going to step in, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Rob Manfred or somebody was the voice of sanity here. Rob Manfred and the voice of sanity. Yeah. Is that... First time, certainly the first time I've said it on the podcast. Uh, maybe the first time anybody's ever said that. So, uh, yeah, send this one to Cooperstown, I suppose. That was going to be my catchphrase. Play-by-play <laughs> podcasting. For the nice. third half of the game, to close things out, send it to Cooperstown. <laughs> when did you do play-by-play, out of curiosity? Uh, it was around college time. Um, I did uh, – I did some college softball, went to the University of North Texas, so they didn't have a baseball team, oh, so they had uh, softball. Nice, nice. Uh, did college softball, is that kind of the similar challenge to baseball play-by-play in the sense that you realize a bit, about an inning or two in that, yeah, there's a lot of time I got to fill in between the action? Yeah, on occasion. I mean, they play, they play double headers a lot, so that is a little interesting. So it takes a little bit out of you. Uh, Cause they do a three game series, but they do it amongst two days, oh, at least from when I, the season that I covered. Uh, but you know, there's some similarities and then there's some differences. So if you kind of get an idea, you can kind of look at a, a good refresher. Uh, most of the time it, it is the same though. Hmm. Do you uh, tend to fill up the time uh, with anecdotes or with information you get from the players or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, they send out each team sends out uh, a little, like report. Uh, so they send out a media guide. So that's always nice. Thumb through a lot of that. So it's about maybe for me, three, four hours of prep, which is, I think pretty low compared to others. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, you either do three or four hours of prep or like Vin Scully, you're just in the game for 60 years and then you've got it taken care of for you. So until that point, yeah, I guess you got to do some studying. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine it, it would be, uh, if you can kind of get used to the rhythm and flow, play by play has got to be a real fun thing or something like that. Uh, do you have any aspirations to try it on, on a baseball level at any point? Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always kind of tried, but... It never really, never really caught on, and I think nowadays, it with technology available to everybody, it, you have to really. I think once after the college level, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But it is something that I still kind of keep it in the back of my memory bank. I, I do kind of practice on here and there. So um, you know, some people have said pretty good, so they've they've given it a thumbs up. Still a little bit of work to do. Nice, that's cool. That. Uh... Do you find that a lot of uh, your baseball writer colleagues, are, are there others that would kind of want to secretly do play-by-play if given the shot? Is, is that kind of a thing that uh, you kind of want the job that you don't have in terms of baseball media like that? Uh, from some of our colleagues at Dallas Sports Fanatic, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have a couple, we do have some really talented uh, individuals and some of them I would say would be really good on either the microphone radio-wise or television-wise. Um, as far as Texas Rangers writers, uh, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but uh, let's just leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I will not pursue this line of inquiry any further, as I'm sure you want to keep the connections you got. And with that, not pursuing that further, let's open the show. Why the hell not? As, as a segue right there, this is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 39, the Roy Campanella episode, and that's a pretty damn good one, of Three Strikes You're Out. My name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports Baseball Prospectus, and uh, still stand-up comedian whenever laughter becomes a thing again. Let's Let's... Say, say it that way this week. The other voice you are hearing right now is a writer for the Texas Rangers for Dallas Sports Fanatic. Alice, Alex Plink is here today. It's second time around. I'll get your name right this time. Uh, oh, that's fine. That's fine. And you said Dallas Sports Fanatic. Uh, so that's good because most people just take the sports out of there. So Rangers <laughs> Dallas Fanatic that. is something entirely different, honestly, at this point that I do not want to encounter at uh, Yes, and suddenly every awful joke that I could possibly make in this pops into my mind. And like what we said about uh, the Rangers writers, I'm going to just let every joke that popped in my mind, let it be for right now. So, uh, but thank you for joining me, Alex. Uh, thank you, Ken, for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure to talk to you again after um, we've been doing this for several weeks as part of Outsports Quarantine weekly Zoom meeting just to kind of get us through the pandemic right now. And uh, I figured have you on and talk a little Rangers baseball and really have you on and talk about, I think, the rarest thing possible in 2020, which is seeing a goddamn baseball game in person, which uh, you are one of, like, I don't know, a couple hundred who can say that at this point. And how does that make you feel? You know, it was weird on opening day because I woke up on opening day and it just didn't have that same feel to it. And then you you drive to the ballpark and it just, I don't know, like it just didn't have that little giddy that you have. Um, I totally agree. Uh, do, do you find, and I, I don't know if you found it like watching the first couple games, but when I saw the first time the Cubs were playing in front of like an empty Wrigley Field, I was overjoyed to see baseball back. But there was also that kind of undeniable bit of melancholy that I just kind of couldn't, 
couldn't shake or couldn't get rid of just because those empty stands were like 2020 looming over my favorite thing in the world. And it was almost like baseball in like a Kafka-esque universe at that point. So the drive to the park, I imagine, not seeing as many cars as you would would probably kind of give you those feelings. Well, that's nice. I mean, I, I like the I like the fact that there's not much traffic around there. Yeah. So I'll yeah. take that. But <laughs> the other awkward thing is during the inter-squad games, because they didn't have the crowd noise. So mm. it was completely silent. And I never really went to spring training. Uh, I haven't really gone to spring training. That's was actually something I was going to do this year. And I was actually going to leave the day after they canceled everything. I had a flight oh. out to Phoenix at 7 a.m. on Jeez. Friday, March 13th. Wow. And I got the notification the 12th in the afternoon that everything was canceled. What Was that a sense of disappointment that you'd be missing out on spring training or maybe a sense of relief that you wouldn't be entering into a place full of crowds at a time where you hear the NBA is shutting down and the NHL? Well, everybody was telling me on that day, on that Thursday, don't go, don't go, don't go. Uh, so I guess it was good that it happened the Thursday and not Friday when I was already on a plane uh-huh. going to Phoenix. So I was able to get everything canceled and let's we'll try it again next year. God, wow. Yeah, my, uh, at the time that everything shut down, uh, my parents were actually in DFW visiting my sister in Fort Worth. And they had to fly back like a couple weeks later. My dad is 76 years old. My mom is 67 and so they flew back at like the beginning of April and there was, there was that thought in the back of my mind of, yeah, like I know this is serious and spreading and nobody should be flying right now, but can you just make sure nobody who has it gets on that particular plane? So I, I would imagine that kind of similar worry had to be in the back of your head too. Yeah. And, and my parents were actually in Chicago, um, <laughs> I think it was like a week before, but they drove. Ah. They, they drove to Chicago. So they just drove back, but that was that was even somewhat of a little scary because you, you never know what could happen when you're driving back. And yeah. so with everything starting to shut down, something bre- your car breaks down. Yeah, absolutely. And and or and you don't know about like the hotel they have to stay in as well, like who has been there and how deeply they're cleaning it. So yeah, this has turned from a baseball podcast into a podcast about worrying about our parents' health in 2020. So that's just the way this year is going. Um, do you have a different emotional response to watching the game itself, you find? Like you mentioned how, how eerily quiet it was in opening day. Does, does that kind of touch anything inside of you that's, that's a little different? It's just, um, cause that was actually, that was my first time being at the ballpark on opening day too. Oh, I had, because tickets, well, cause I never as a fan, cause tickets are so expensive. I never had the, I never had the financial whereabouts Hmm. to go on opening day because you would have to reserve it. I mean, there's all these hoops you have to jump through. So that was the first time I was in person because I was covering it. Uh, So I will say that it's quite a, I would say unforgettable experience, but a very forgetful experience. (laughs) Uh, Just because you go, because nowadays you just kind of go there, games on, and then relatively you leave so that's one of the biggest differences this year compared to last year because last year you get to the ballpark i, I would get to the ballpark around i would say two thirty for a seven o'clock game because they have clubhouse opens pre-game manager meetings batting practice all that's not available to the media 
So all of the manager meetings, all of the interactions with players is done via Zoom. And so those are done well before, or I guess now pretty much on schedule. So really for me, I would maybe arrive in the ballpark maybe an hour or two before. Because hmm. I am, I mean, I live alone, so it's not like there's any noise that I have to worry about. I can see why people, if you have like kids, would maybe go to the ballpark to kind of get a little piece of quiet. But <laughs> someone like me, there's no reason to go immediately like four hours before the game. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird because, I mean, longtime baseball writers, every now and again, you'll see one talk about how their favorite part about going to the park is arriving there ahead of any of the crowds. So you have kind of just mm-hmm. the empty ball field or maybe a couple players on it and you – and it's a very kind of peaceful thing. And now, yeah, it's almost like this, this looming reminder of, yeah, things just are not the same. And we don't know when they're going to get back to anything resembling normal again. And it's harder for tenured riders because you're only accessible to the certain players you get that day. So you may, when you walk into the clubhouse, you may see like about 10, 15, 20 players that, you know, most of them will talk to you. So you can say, okay, if I'm writing a, a story about Lance Lynn, he's not pitching today, I can, and I see Lance Lynn, I can walk over. Now, I don't know what Lance Lynn's going to give you because he's <laughs> such a big media guy. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you do need that, that's available. A uh, couple times, like if you need Elvis Andrews is always a, a good guy to talk to. Shinsu Chu is always a good guy to talk mm-hmm. to. So if they're there, you know, you give – they kind of see who you are, especially a new type of writer coming in. You want to build that relationship, build that connection. Hmm. And so you can't really do that this year because you don't have that uh, one-on-one opportunity. And I'm going to give the media guys, as far as the team media credit, because this is a very difficult situation. You can't make everybody happy. So especially limiting the amount of media members that can attend the ballpark, they're doing the best they can. Absolutely. So as much as someone like me would maybe complain, I was complaining about everything. So just take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) But I I do want to say for the record, I do appreciate all of the team media because it is a very difficult thing to juggle. And it's just such a short period of time too. Yeah, they're still figuring it out as they go along, it seems like, in, in many aspects. And it, it's weird to make me think like some of the all-time baseball greats, like what they missed out on by, you know, not playing in 2020. Like, you know, if Barry Bonds or Ted Williams had been around during the pandemic, they would have had to just wait to go on Zoom to tell the media to go fuck themselves. So, <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I talked to David Murphy um, early in uh, around opening weekends, and um, – because he, he played, uh, he was a big-time contributor as far as the Rangers go. And I kind of asked him, I said, you know, how, is it, how would it be like if you're playing this year? And he said, it's probably harder for the veterans because they're so used to the crowd around them. They're so used to just the everyday baseball activities. And now that those are cut, that's why he feels like the rookies and the younger players, it's their time to shine because they're so used to adjusting that they might, that the veterans – if some veterans are struggling, it's not surprising. I love that because so many people have talked about, especially the guys who are making their big league debuts this year, that, ah, man, what a shame that they're having this momentous day in their lives take place in front of empty stands. But they don't really know a big league ballpark with full stands. So they can just kind of go out and be themselves and kind of let that energy carry them. And 
occasionally let that energy carry a ball over the outfield wall, as Joe Adele showed you this past weekend. <laughs> I love that. Nick Solak is still upset that that was a four-base error. <laughs> but people are going to remember, like, his, his first ball over the wall, like, for the rest of his life now. Like, did As a Rangers fan, did it make you flash any bit of Jose Canseco memories? That- yeah, that was the biggest, that was the biggest comparison. Um, it was actually... The first time it wasn't the first time in the last ten years that the Rangers were beneficial in four base error. Hmm. So they were actually beneficial back in twenty eleven. Oh, uh, Ranger fans may remember uh, Esteban Herman uh, was the beneficiary wow. uh, misplay by Trayvon Robinson in late September. But yeah, Jose Canseco was like the first thing. And can to give you an idea about I don't know if people have saw my article on Scott Heideman, but to give you an idea of how crazy this is, so. In San Francisco, when the Rangers were playing the Giants, Scott Heineman and Tyler Heineman, brothers, got a chance to play against one another. And the thing is, is that how that even came about is ridiculous in itself. Because, first of all, Tyler Heineman came into the season as maybe backup, but because Buster Posey opted out, hmm. he was the main catcher in the Giants' depth charts. Oh, geez. And for Scott, uh, because of the expanded roster, I don't know if he would have made the club if the rosters were set at exactly 26, but he was on the club. The Rangers weren't supposed to play the Giants this year. They were supposed to play the NL East. So the fact of the matter is all of this had to align (laughs) in order for those two to play. That's, that's heartwarming. Uh, And and my God, what a, what a rare heartwarming 2020 thing. And and their parents couldn't even be there. Yeah, of course. They couldn't be at Oracle Park. Yeah, you, you can't have, you know, you know, everything because, again, 2020. And, but, but just the fact that you have, like, a happy thing. Like, yeah, I, I kind of just want to hold on to that story and, like, like hug it for a little while, honestly. Because, uh, yeah, you hear about, like, how the pandemic has kind of altered things in the schedule. And usually it's so, like, Joe Kelly can throw a fastball at Alex Bregman's head. But this is, this is much more delightful, honestly. And Scott Homer on Saturday on the second game of that series. It's wonderful. And, and in AT&T Park, too? Or uh, yeah, so, yeah. Oracle. Yep. Yeah, at the Oracle, Oracle. State of Home Run in baseball. So, geez, that that's a hell of a thing. That's that's really wonderful. Um, yeah, and you talk about kind of uh, the energy that that young players uh, like Scott are bringing to the team. And I don't know if you can tell this when you're in the ballpark. Um, as someone who's been watching the Cubs uh, from the beginning of this year, one of the things they've done the best is that they bring their own energy. Like the entire dugout is in on every pitch in on every play you hear them loudly reacting anytime like a guy even like a good take from like a chris bryant or ian Happ at that you get to hear oh nice from the dugout like anthony rizzo like they sing anthony rizzo's walk-up music on the road which somebody on the cubs has falsetto range and i want to find out who it is because that's goddamn amazing but when you're in the in an empty ballpark and you're up on press level can you hear the teams in the dugout tried to bring that energy themselves, or is that mostly a field mic phenomenon? Well, the thing is, is that the music that's playing the, in the ballpark, and this is what the curious thing is, is based on how the music, the audio is coming from the ballpark, it's going to be, blow by field is going to be loud. Mm. Like, it's going to be really loud. Like even the players, the uh, Chris Woodward saying, once fans get in, that is maybe one of, going to be one of the more louder ballparks in baseball. Wow. Just because everything is so close. They built it where all the seats are relatively closer. I think uh, the the suite behind home plates is 42 feet from home plates, which is the shortest distance in baseball. I heard that. 
don't know if that's true or not. We're going to assume it's true just so <laughs> I can boast about it. Uh, but the music that's being played is so loud. And they've even, so the guys that run it are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Michael Gruber is a DFW legend. Uh, if you watch, you watch Blackhawks games. So when the Blackhawks go to American Airlines and take on the stars, the music you hear, yeah, that's him. Nice. So, uh, uh, are they going for like a Metrodome vibe with like to, to, with the idea that if they make the playoffs in here, this is going to be a huge home field advantage because no one's ever heard a baseball game this loud usually? That, yeah, I would say that's the case. And, and they actually, and this is going to be insane, but they actually opened the roof on Monday. Hmm. So they, they did open it, even though it was 95 degrees outside. <laughs> they wanted to be curious on how that would play. And I will say this, it's not as bad as you, you would think. Yeah, players were sweating a little bit more but it actually wasn't that bad. The results wasn't great. Uh, they got kicked around by Seattle, which so they probably, I wouldn't be surprised they don't do that anymore for this year, just because that was probably their worst game of the season. But uh, I, I do really feel like it's going to be loud, and, and they've started implementing certain chants for each player's. So you can hear it in the background for like Nick Solak. You can hear Solak, Solak. Nice. So they've implemented those over the loudspeaker in the ballpark. I don't know if the players have noticed or how they're reacting on there, but um, one other thing on that, uh, during the weekend against the Rockies, you could hear a Chris Woodward argument going on um, very briefly. I I heard it and it kind of settled down, but you could hear Chris Woodward screaming at the home plate umpire. I love it. That's great. It's (laughs) it's. It's, there was a moment in the, the Cubs game yesterday where John Lester missed on a ball four, like two inches outside, and you just saw him turning them out, and you hear a very, very loud, God damn it! So, yeah, you, it, hearing, hearing uh, what ball players actually say, I mean, you're not going to hear anything profound, certainly, but it's, it's definitely kind of a window into just, I guess, how, how vulgar it can get on the field every so often. Well, if uh, if Lance Lynn had stayed in the game further on Sunday, he probably would have pulled a gasket, and you would have heard something. He was about ready. If if uh, yeah, he wasn't too fond of uh, rookie umpire Nate Tomlinson's uh, strike zone on Sunday, and I, I saw even Jeff yeah. Mathis was had to kind of calm him down. <laughs> you could kind of sense it was ready to blow, and right after his, uh, I think it was the fourth inning when that was probably the lowest point of the game for him. He just went off in a distance uh, mm-hmm. after striking out. Uh, I forgot who he struck out, but yeah, you can really see the energy. And yeah, if, any, if you're going to hear anybody on the mound, it's going to be Lance Lynn. <laughs> so is Lance Lynn, what happens if you put John Lackey's brain into Bartolo Colon's body? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, I, I only had Lackey for two years in Chicago here, and I didn't think I was going to like him. But, uh, yeah, I kind of love the Galoot, partly because he was on the series-winning team. But, uh, but yeah, he, he was fun. Is, is Lance Lynn fun, or is he just kind of ornery? Lance, Lance Lynn is very uh, Marshawn Lynch type to the media. I like that. Um, though I will say he, if you ask him something, he will answer, but he will answer in, like, type of guy that'll answer in like one word sentences Hmm. just kind of like the most basic answer (laughs) but from what i hear around the clubhouse is that he is very uh he he is very funny Hmm. and so he's very laid back too 
So he, he's kind of one of those that doesn't show that. Uh, Corey Kluber's that way too. Interesting. Where he, they call him Klubot. He hates it. But, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he does. I, I know. I mean, he's, that's all the persona he puts on is just that nothing phases him ever on the mound. And you can't make him show an emotion in the field. But he tries to get away from that when he's a, kind of away from baseball mode. Yep. Nice. Yeah, he, yep. They have a, they have some pretty strong personalities in that. And I will say this to answer as far as the energy goes, uh, cause they just got Derek Dietrich just got called up yesterday. So uh, we will, we will see if that will bring more energy to the Rangers because Derek Dietrich is known for bringing a lot of energy. Remember him with the Reds and yeah, he seemed fun a little bit. So yeah, that, that would be cool. And, and, uh, and Joey Gallo also seemed like someone who would kind of bring like a pretty nice vibe to the Rangers. That uh, just if he seems just kind of like another fun, laid-back guy who just hits homers or strikes out. Uh, Joey, Gall- yeah, Joey Gallo is a very funny guy. Uh, but the most funny guy that media even doesn't get to see, but you really have to know him, Shinsu Chu. Nice. Well, that's He's cool. a very underrated funny guy. It's uh, and this is probably not the best comp to make, but just in the sense of, I guess, in his first year, the media didn't really make an effort to get to know him, but it took like a couple years for everyone to realize you Darvish is just funny. You Darvish is hilarious. Yeah. I didn't get to cover him, but based on what other people said, he was, he is a hilarious guy. Yeah. Like legit tweeting in his second language and still making comedians laugh like that. That's how good you Darvish is. And is, is Shinsu Chu kind of a similar vibe that, People just don't expect because English isn't his first language that he would be like a good, good quote or a good conversation, but, uh, but he's kind of got that sneaky funny to him or. I mean, not so much as far as the, the language barrier goes, uh, but I, I just think he's very, uh, he's very professional uh, when it comes to talking with media and, but he just kind of has that very underrated comedic timing to him. Hmm. I love guys like that too. Yeah. You don't, you don't realize until you're kind of in the middle of an interview that, Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about and is kind of a joy. Yeah. That's, it's, it, that, that's really great. Especially for as long as Shinsu Chu has been in, in the game. He's been, been with the Rangers for what, six, seven years at this point. So. Yep. Final year of his contract. Yeah. Is it Tim and Ellis Andrews who are essentially the elder statesmen on the team? Yeah, Elvis Andrews just set this year on opening day, just set the record for consecutive opening day starts as a Ranger. Wow, jeez. So, oh. n- number 12. Wow, my God, I'm old. Yeah. Uh, and does Bro, Elvis- I'm old too. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we all are and, and getting older. And really, in, in, the, in this world, if you're getting older, you're doing something right, honestly, I think. Um, does Elvis Andrews, now that, I mean, Beltre, obviously, having been retired for a few years at this point, does he have, like, a, a guy to play off of the way he and Adrian Beltre used to? Rooted Odor, but it's a little different this year because both are really struggling. So it, it's kind of one of those when things, last year when things were going well, you can kind of see them play off each other. Um, this year is a little different, though, since they're both really having tough years. So it's kind of one of those where you sense the frustration. So uh, I'm not saying that they're that, at least from Elvis, he's not having as much fun, but when you're hitting below the Mendoza line, it's kind of hard to kind of have that. Um, 
But I mean, Adrian Beltre did show up last year a couple times to the clubhouse. They did uh, they did have some fun during the ceremony. Of course, it, it, somebody always has to touch the head at some point, right? Oh, that's that's Elvis's game. Have, have they ever done an Adrian Beltre bobblehead that's like shakes its fist at you when you touch it? <laughs> that would be a good idea. That that that, yeah, that seems like a natural to, to anybody in Rangers marketing. That, uh, and they should do it when he goes into the Hall of Fame, that, uh, which is what, two years from now he's eligible? Something two like that. Two years. Yeah. Uh, and that will be a great day because, I mean, Adrian Beltre was like the king of fun players, especially if you like them moving the on-deck circle to spite an umpire. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that on Adrian, when they uh, retired Adrian Beltre's jersey, Jerry Davis was on that umpiring crew Wonderful. during that uh, doubleheader. That's great. That, 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 I don't that, know if that was intentional it, or if that or was not. just Major League Baseball, <laughs> just a luck of the draw. It, it's perfect, and that's really all that matters at that point. In terms of where the Rangers are at as a team right now, like we're recording this on Wednesday evening, and they're 2 under 500 in second place. So, hey, you got you, you a playoff spot right now, which is, which is fun. Um, Did you look at the AL West? Yeah, how that it's looks? the A's and the rest. My God. Everybody, everybody from second to third place, third to fourth, four, uh, fourth to fifth, half game. So <laughs> if, for instance, Seattle wins tonight and the Angels win tonight and Houston loses, everybody, all four teams are going to be like half a game in between each other. It's unbelievable. It's probably the chaos baseball wants in a weird season like this. So, yeah, I'm kind of leaning in and going, going with it. Um, do you find is, – is this where the Rangers would have wanted to be kind of at this point in their, I guess, extended rebuild from like 2016 until now? Because uh, my sense this offseason was it felt like they were going for it a little too early because of the new ballpark with the Kluber trade, and especially now that Kluber's hurt. Obviously, you couldn't see that happening. But even without that, it still felt like I don't know you're as close as you'd like to be given that you're making moves like this. It was an interesting year last year because the team in late June, uh, when they went to, I remember this, they, they won their first of a three-game series against Tampa Bay. They were tied with the Rays in late June for the top wildcard spot. And this is a Texas team that was supposed to probably lose 100 games and what they were able to accomplish. Joey Gallo got hurt. Hunter Pence got hurt. Gallo never really recovered. And... It, everything's sort of turmoil down. Mike Miner didn't have a good month of July. So coming into this year, there was a lot of promise because Danny Santana blossomed. And unfortunately, he's still on the IL. Still, uh, He is eligible to come back, but they still don't feel he's ready. Uh, Corey Kluber pitched one inning, and he and Jose Leclerc, their closer, have the same shoulder issue. Yeah. So their bullpen is a little bit mixed up. It's interesting, Ken, because going into summer camp, they didn't really have many injuries to deal with. Uh, In spring training, they had a Jose Trevino with a hand injury and Willie Calhoun took a nasty shot to the face Hmm. from a Julio Urias fastball. uh, Had fractured jaw, basically. And so he was good to go, but then he had a hip flexor. So he had that to deal with coming opening day. Joely Rodriguez was hurt, so he wasn't ready for opening day. Rafael Montero, who's now the current closer, wasn't available until this past homestand. So in between summer camp and opening day, 
it felt like, hey, this is a team that doesn't really have many injuries. They didn't have many COVID cases either. As far as I know, they only had two. Hmm. And Joey Gallo, did he really have COVID? He's not convinced. Okay. Brett Martin, I'm surprised he's pitching because he is uh, he does he is a type one diabetic, so he did have COVID, but he's pitching, so that's good on him. So he's uh, that that's great to see. But right now, yeah, the club is dealing with some pretty nasty injuries. So what they are able to work with, and of course, offensively, they have had their problems. Uh, you know, the offensive scuffle. One of the, I think they were averaging like the third worst as far as um, as far as runs per game goes. And the two lower teams are obviously one of them is going to be the Cardinals. <laughs> like five games this year, uh-huh. and I. I believe Toronto is another one um, hmm. who has played three fewer games as well. But the schedule is all messed up too for the club. So right. coming into today, they're going to have another off day tomorrow. The Major League Baseball did not like the way they scheduled as far as the Rangers go in off days. Because Texas is put after today, they would be playing, I believe, two more, one more game then the Milwaukee Brewers, who had three games postponed. Mm-hmm. The Washington Nationals, who had three games postponed. Jeez. Huh. So baseball is essentially saying, ah, you guys got air conditioning now, so you don't need any more off days, right? Well, I'll give you a quick breakdown. So they had the three-game series against Colorado to open the season. Then they have an off day. Two against Arizona, off day. Then they have three in San Francisco, off day. Jesus. And then... You have Oakland Angels Mariners tomorrow off day. That, that's like the schedule that you expect in April for the teams up north because you have to factor in snow days. Exactly. Good Lord. Oof. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's so many teams are going to have uh, schedules that kind of bunch up on them now because obviously if you, any team had the Marlins or the Cardinals in your schedule, you're going to find yourself playing a shit ton of double headers in the last month. And yeah, it's just going to be a thing of, I think everybody in baseball is just going to have to kind of embrace the chaos of this and realize that it's just for two months. So just see if you can kind of bring that energy that we talked about at the beginning of the show as much as you can every day. And then just hope that you're one of the final eight standing in your league at the end. Absolutely. And that was to, to finish up the point of why the team's struggling. That could be one of the reasons because they haven't gotten any momentum going. Right. So they've been, against Arizona in the series against San Francisco offense does a tremendous job. And then you have an off day and you lose all that momentum. Mm-hmm. So that's why this sweep against the angels was such a huge thing because they felt like, okay, Seattle's coming in. Now it didn't work well on Monday to yesterday. The offense had its problems, but they still were able to scratch four runs across. So we'll see if that offense can get going, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, I will say this. The good news is they really haven't needed a fifth starter because of all the off days. So Jordan Lyles is making his third start of the season. Jeez. Wow. That's, uh, do, you, do you find that um, switching ballparks from the ballpark at Arlington to Globe Life now, has that also affected the offense in any way, given that they were built for the jet stream that made it the highest scoring park in baseball last year, and now the roof is closed? Everybody is saying it, and there is truth to that. Balls yeah. are dying down. And even even the Rockies were even <laughs> on that opening weekend. You, you can kind of feel it. Balls that they thought would be gone 
not even just because the Rockies played uh, a couple of years ago, uh, last time they were at Globe Life Park. And you can kind of sense that the frustration in that opening series, guys like Joey Gallo, Shinsu Chu, you could tell on their faces they thought it was out. Even, even on Monday with the roof that was open, some balls that thought they would be out of there, Willie Calhoun and uh, Elvis Andrews, to name a few, thought those were out. Chris Woodward was like, I thought those were out. Mm. But they just died right – well, Elvis has died right at the warning track, and Willie's just missed, and he ended up with a triple. But, yeah, you're, you're, seeing, uh, you're seeing a little bit of frustration early on, and I think the team is now starting to realize, hey, this is how we're going to have to play some of these games. We're going to have to grind out uh, – Nick Solak saying, you got to string together a couple of hits, get good at bats. And, you know, that's how you have to do it. You have to grind your way to a victory. That's what you got to do. I will say this. Uh, you may get some good free agent pitchers coming to Arlington now, especially mm-hmm. seeing how the way some of the uh, starting pitching has been successful for the Rangers. And yeah. now you may lose out on some good, uh, good, some good bats, <laughs> but you know, you, I mean, I can understand pitchers in the off season looking in there uh, saying, you know, I don't know if I want to pitch at Globe Life Park. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the only reasons Mike Miner signed was because the Rangers were the only real team that would have given him a starting role. A lot of other teams were giving him relievers. He wanted a starting role. Rangers said, okay. And Miner's been very successful, not quite this year, but he overall has had some pretty good seasons with Texas. Yeah, in those instances, like, yeah, teams like where the Rangers used to be, and certainly like the Rockies, you have to really find those diamonds in the rough because, yeah, that nobody is going to willingly come unless you throw, you know, like Mike Hampton money back in the day, Adam, or, or the equivalent of what that would be now. Um, and it's weird that you look at in terms of like the different kinds of new ballparks built. It, it seems like whenever you have a situation like what you're describing to me with Globe Life Field, uh, I almost said Globe Life Park, which I mean, it happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why one is different from the other, but there, there we go. Um, but in terms of like the you know, city field, with the Mets or Petco with the Padres, or even go back, going back to Comerica with the Tigers, that whenever you have a new ballpark that's built with pitching in mind, it seems like the hitters piss and moan up until the point where eventually a couple years later, the fences come in. Whereas if you move into like a new Yankee stadium or great American in Cincinnati or Philly's ballpark, and you have every other baseball leaving the ballpark and pitchers, ERAs going into the eights, team execs basically say, yeah, suck it up, deal. <laughs> and I, I don't know why it's always the hitters who get their way, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it seems weird. That, uh, so I, I would guess at some point that maybe year three or four of Globe Life Field's existence that you're going to see the fences come in a little bit and see more power return. Just Joey Gallo's to- already put that petition in. I'm <laughs> surprised. Did they move in the fences in Target Field? I'm sorry? Did they move in the fences in Target Field? Uh, that was the first year. Yeah. That, that was ridiculous. There was, like, no home runs hit there. Yeah. And I remember that was a huge topic, but I don't recall them ever moving. That the might be the exception to my little theory, yeah, now, now that I think about it, because I don't think the dimensions have changed there. Um, so that could be the one where they've kind of held out, although – that one is like where the twins yeah, offense. It's the way the twins are now. They've, they've figured out how to hit homers apparently there. So uh, maybe problem was solved or they had to move them. But I mean, San Francisco, another one where they moved the fences in from uh, right center this year. Uh, well, but that's yeah. how Joey Gallo hit his homer in San Francisco. 
if they hadn't moved the fences, then that probably would have been a double. And uh, Rangers fans are going to only that had been around in 2010. Jesus. Um, so uh, let me ask you this about uh, Globe Life Field too. You you mentioned that it's louder than than most people would expect. Is there any part of it that fans don't see on TV that you look at and go, "This is really cool," like this is this is a really cool thing they built into it? Well, I've seen it. It's been featured a few times, but I know fans uh, near the third baseline, more so towards left field in the upper deck, there are some really comfortable rocking chairs that fans are going to really like on there. Um, And I will say the way that the dimensions are set uh, as far as the nooks and crants is going to be kind of interesting where TV doesn't do it a justice, I feel like. And so that's why people were saying about the four base error uh, off the bat of Nick Solak that, you know, as an official scorer, you're see, you're not there. Official scores aren't at the ballpark. So they're seeing what they're seeing on TV. Hmm. And I, you know, a lot of times the pitchers will be like, yeah, we'll, we'll take the four base error. Hitters like, no, no, that's a home run. So you have a little bit of bias on there, but kind of talking around the baseball personnel uh, over the course of Sunday and Monday, that that is one thing that you don't really see on TV is you don't see the way it's aligned. But as far as uh, fans' experience, like I said earlier, everything is all close up. So while the press box is high, it seems like you're very, very far away. But you're not too far away. Um, I would say it's probably a little bit further than Globe Life Park. But it's not an overabundance, even though you're on the upper deck. And uh, the press area is open, so that'll be interesting to see when fans come. Hmm. Okay. Just in case... People have something to talk to, like T.R. Sullivan's last column talked to him about. <laughs> wow. That, that's going to be interesting. That'll be yeah. very interesting. Uh, yeah. It makes sense why it was closed, thankfully, Absolutely. why it was closed at Globe Life Park. But, uh, no, I mean, there's – I think other parks have it open, too, for the hmm. most part. That's not okay. so, open. Yeah, so maybe they felt that just because the park was going to be climate-controlled that yeah. they didn't have to worry about just you guys. Yeah, just AC, and even with the roof open, there's a nice breeze. Mm. So it's not it's not as bad um, mm-hmm. from the two times I was there when the roof was open. Yeah, did did you like the old park? I did. I, I did. Um, I will say this is that I'm really curious next year and being on the field for batting practice and see how that's going to go because that was that was always a grind uh, when you go. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon, so. You're on the field. It's like 105 degrees. And so batting practice was always limited. Good, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I did – I grew up with that park. So as a kid, that's what you – that's what I associate Rangers baseball with. And so it, to see that kind of change, I don't know uh, – to this day, I don't know why AC wasn't a thing in – or uh, indoors, why that wasn't a thing, why it wasn't um, – if you're just doing indoors, I, I don't know if retractable roofs were a thing back 25 years ago. It was it was post Skydome, so yeah, they they just kind of started being a thing, but they were available. Yeah, so I would think, you know, Arlington, Texas is probably if you're going to, you would put assume. that in. Yeah, that might go ahead and try it out. <laughs> my theory has always been, I never understood why the Texas Rangers didn't build a roof into their new park, realizing they played in Arlington, Texas. 
until I remembered, oh, that was the time they were owned by George W. Bush. Now it makes sense. Yep. Yep, indeed. Uh, and I and wanted if you to, watch, uh, you get your great view of George W. Bush behind the plate every home game, too. Yeah, we're wearing uh, wearing the George mask, w. so I, I, I and his grudgingly give credit Laura for Bush. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I wish he'd have worn the mask during the eight years in office, too. I would have would have been fine with that. But, you yeah, know, uh, we, we, we know Dick Cheney, of course, wore the mask, uh, the one that played the Imperial March theme. But, uh, but that's not why you called. And uh, let's, let's finish up. I wanted to talk to you a little bit, too, about uh, being an outrider on the Rangers beat. And uh, specifically, um, have you come out on the job um, as in, in any of your writing? I did put it on Twitter. Um, so that is out there. Uh, I do have it pinned up. Um, and it's just kind of like, just kind of like, okay, here it is. Um, I don't. I don't try to like, you know, unless it's relevant, don't try to like incorporate it. Um, but when I do go to the park, I mean, I've got, I've got a little uh, rainbow wristband with me. I do have a little uh, rainbow necklace that I wear. So, you know, you walk around and to me, it's just like, it's a weight lifted off and it's either, I will say this, a lot of great support and it's either positive feedback where people just don't care. And quite frankly, I'll take the, I'll take the people don't care. Yeah, absolutely. If they're letting you do your job, you're there to do a job. And that, that's, I mean, the bare minimum of what you need. And, and yeah, both, both are at least good. And the positive feedback is great. It's, it really is surprising too, because I think you know, anytime you, you have a little fear on there, I'm, I'm someone that gotten better on this, but has always, kind of had that little, you know, what's people going to think. And especially, you know, you don't know how others do think on. Um, so you always have that little fear. And then ultimately you just say, you know what, this is me deal with it. And I always <laughs> make a argument on there. People kind of give me crap for, um, but they liked it before like my work, <laughs> I'd be like, well, you know, I was gay when I wrote this. So <laughs> by, it's just now, you know, uh, whenever you put out your autobiography, that has to be the title. Hundred percent. That's that's perfect. Or uh, I use it on there. Like I, I take constructive criticism. So if you don't like what I put out, because you know, if I rooted Odor in case if I give him a little bit more time, he was like, oh no, you shouldn't give Rudin Odor more time. He's been bad, or you know, because of this, this, this. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take that. But if you're gonna say no, Rudin, I don't agree with your opinion because you're gay. I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> typical gays always wanted to give middle infielders another shot that's yeah you hear uh, walking the streets of boys town chicago all you hear about is play nico horner more uh which is good because he's dreamy but you know um when we'll say this Derek dietrich yeah yeah if, if you're into the muscle guys yeah and if you uh i can't say you, i'll say this uh rewatch his walk off against the cardinals when he was with the marlins oh god ripped his jersey off Oh my, nice. Yeah, that that works every now and again. Here's uh, your Rangers second baseman tonight. <laughs> they ought to bring him bring him out to video of that just uh, just for entertainment's sake. Um, Joey Gallo is the same. A lot of people compare Joey Gallo as far as uh, Chris Bryant goes and Anthony Rizzo. Nice, nice. It's in, in terms of uh, in terms of their togetherness or. 
Well, just uh, just in general, as far as if you were to rank the uh, attractive Rangers. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, KB has been front and center with the Cubs. So there, there are some um, there are some sneaky underrated guys. Like Javi is a beautiful man, in in many ways. That, uh, well, imagine this little trio because this was a Las Vegas trio that were uh, that were a part of Little League and Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Bryant, Joey Gallo, and Bryce Harper. <laughs> yeah, that is and that uh, trio. Yes, and kind of a, a different flavor for, for each of the trio, too, when you think about it. That Chris, if you're into, like, Peter Gabriel eyes, Bryce, if you like the hair, and uh, Joey Gallo, just if you like an Adonis, I think. And who among us doesn't like an Adonis when it comes down to it? Um, let me ask you this before we close. Since, since you mentioned uh, the positivity and the feedback you get, are you glad to cover this generation of ballplayers as an outrider when you hear about the stories of like even what women writers had to deal with even like a generation or two ago having to go into locker rooms? You know, it's interesting because the first time I went into the locker room last year was my first year covering. Um, I have a one track mind, so it wasn't awkward at all. Hmm. And then like when I came back uh, and I finished everything I needed to, I was kind of like, because here's the thing, like, some guys aren't shy. Well, they're more shy than what I hear as far as football players go. Football <laughs> players will, uh, will at least from what I hear, I've never been in a football locker room, but I hear that they are a lot more showy, uh, <laughs> whereas baseball players are just kind of like, you know, and you pay your respect. You know, you, you if they're getting changed, you just kind of look away. It's, you know, because you want to build that relationship. So so you want to, you want to build that. Now, of course, last year, nobody knew. So I don't know if they would create it. I mean, nobody has said anything. So I would say it it was kind of awkward because at the, when I went home and just kind of reminisce your first time um, covering a, covering a game, kind of like, Oh, wow. You know, I was in a locker room with athletes and, it didn't feel weird at all because you're so focused on your job, which is what should be. Mm-hmm. But it, you just, you always have that little thing in the back of your minds. You know, there's that little thing in the back of your mind. So, um, but no, I mean, it, it just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally lost now. I, I'm okay. rambling. I, I, I like the ramble, honestly. I, I, I uh, cause it's, it's, it's honesty and it, it's, and honestly it's, it's all, encouraging that again that everybody just is knows that you're there for your job and is not going to give you any shit for trying to do your job and i think back and this is a story from back in the days when they had just started to allow women reporters into some locker rooms and baseball players in those days used to be like such guardians of this incredibly toxic masculine environment Mm -hmm. there's a famous story of like the first female beat writer who was on the oakland a's beat in the mid 80s and uh, do you know Dave Kingman, the old slugger from the Cubs and the Mets of the late 70s, early 80s? I know the name. Yeah. At the end of his career, he was writing, finishing up with the A's. And there's a famous story of like one day when I forget this reporter's name. Forgive me. I should have looked it up beforehand. But she was just in the press box getting ready to you know, start taking notes for a game story. And a clubby ran up with a box that was had her name on it from the locker room. And uh, so she saw it to this for you and didn't have anybody's name on it. Um, Actually, it had Kingman's name on it. And she opened it up and it was a live rat with her name attached to it. 
as if this was a message to be sent. So this was not 25 years ago that this was happening back in the days when baseball players couldn't take straight women in the locker room. So I think obviously this generation of ball players much better than it used to be in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, their open-mindedness towards uh, not just women reporters, but towards LGBTQ reporters like yourself. And that can help be a great thing. Yeah. And I think you just also, like I said, it's about the relationship you build. So, um, you know, I think what's good is that for me last year, being able to just kind of get used to everybody around, you know, just kind of get to know me, get to know my personality. I think that's why this year uh, the reaction from Rangers personnel uh, from other writers has been so plus because they've gotten to know the individual and it's just like, okay, this is just now you just know something else about me, but yeah. I mean, it's all about the same thing. So you, you build that rapport with certain players, with manager. Um, and so when it just goes and you say it, that's why I think, you know, players nowadays, they're so much more receptive because they're around it a little bit more. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, female reporters that, that go in and there's just no bother at all. Right. It's perfectly normal. And, uh, as you say, and in building those relationships, I mean, you talked about the weight off your shoulders, and it's not just that. I mean, now you know who is going to be in your corner and who is going to support you in, in times mm-hmm. where you might need it at any point. And that's a fantastic thing. Uh, do you wish, in terms of formal support, that the Rangers would schedule an official Pride Night at any point? Just to kind of, I mean, you know, obviously, where the team stands. and where Yeah. The stand. just, just to you kind know, of send that message out there. I mean... The Rangers, they have marketing people, so they kind of, you know, they, they know more about the demographic than I do. Um, so I've, I've thought about this a few times. It's like, look, you know, the organization does what the organization does. So if they, now, being as though, obviously, this year the Astros were going to have theirs, but that got scrapped away. So I don't know if you can technically say the Astros are on that list, but, um, you know, it pandemic hit but i think from a pr perspective you don't ever want to be the only team that doesn't hasn't done this Mm -hmm. so if you ask me i would say from that perspective i would say yeah but does it make me upset i don't think so that's fair and if they would have scheduled it this year it wouldn't have happened anyway right right (laughs) so uh... that i i mean i guess you could say that would make things better and it's just like so, sort of on the Houston perspective too. Like are, you can't be mad that they didn't have it this year because it's not their fault. Right. Right. But, yeah, it's a, it's a mean, promise at this point. Uh, I, I'll let that, I'll let the marketing team handle that and see what, what they decide. Yeah, that's fair. And, and it, as you say, it, it's, it's never good to be the last team to hold out. And uh, it would be uh, just, you know, a nice gesture to the LGBTQ Rangers fans that, Hey, that, you're as welcome here as anywhere else. That's, you would hope they know. Hold that. it on a Thursday against the Royals when yeah. there's not much crowd. I mean, you don't right. have to have it when the Dodgers are in town or the right. Yankees. Yeah, I assume most teams don't, and it, it seems like it would be a natural way to boost attendance on nights nights like that. So, uh, Alex, do you have anything else to plug while I got you here? No, not really. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at apleaktex on Instagram at apleaktex uh, Dallas Sports Fanatic slash. Texas Rangers for all Rangers coverage. Um, I've got it also on my Twitter. I uh, 
pretty active during ball games, maybe a little bit too active, uh, and just kind of put in random notes that some people appreciate. It's, uh, and random notes, and you were also, again, one of the few who is tweeting out live shots of baseball games in progress in, in front of you, and, and for that, it's an invaluable service to me. If you want to see a beautiful video of the Globe Life Field roof opening, you can see that. <laughs> I got it for you. What America has been dying to see, yes. Uh, Alex, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Ken.